0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I want you to go with me tonight to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Glory to God. On Monday night prayer, the last couple of Monday nights, I've had uh, those of us who come out on Monday night praying, about, uh, praying, about, uh, praying along a particular line. The Lord has uh, dealt with me, and I think I've mentioned this even to you, uh, about the importance of, uh, of our services being prepared by prayer. So that when people come in, you know, evangelism is not just supposed to take place in the church. Evangelism is primarily supposed to take place outside the church. We are to be witnesses everywhere we go. Our lives should be witnesses. We should be ready to, uh, to give an answer to people who ask us why we have the hope and why we believe what we believe. And people ought to ask us. If nobody's asking us, If nobody's asking me, if nobody's asking you about why we believe or why we uh, have such joy and faith and hope in God and we have such uh, apparent victory in our life, there might be something missing in our testimony, in our witness. Amen? And so uh, we are to be ready to give an answer to people. And so evangelism is supposed to, uh, if nothing else, at least be initiated outside the church. But then at the same time, when people, uh, visitors or or different people come in uh, to our church services, there ought to be uh, a presence of God in our services. That unsaved people, backsliders, or any person who is not Uh, where they ought to be with God. In any way you want to say that, it might be even somebody that's a a good Christian, but they've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. They ought to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit when we come together, because remember, the local church is the temple of God. We are the temple of God. We are, the local church is the temple of God. And uh, the glory of, of the, I got distracted here. I got looking at all these empty seats. What in the world? We have to move chains up further. Uh, we are the temple of God. And the temple of God in the Old Testament was filled with his glory. Come on now, get with me tonight, all right? Are you awake? Are you out there? I'll leave you back there in the, in the recesses and in the, in the penny seats in the back. Come on now, get with me tonight. There ought to be a presence... There ought to be the manifestation of the Spirit. Now, when I say that, I'm, I'm not just talking about the gifts of the Spirit, which is the technical uh, explanation of that. But I'm just saying that there ought to be the presence of God in manifestation. Now, that doesn't mean all of our services should be the same. It doesn't mean that we're gonna have a, uh, uh, a real... Uh, you know, loud sort of exuberant uh, uh, type, you know, Sunday morning we were just worshiping and praising God out loud and, and that was kind of refreshing, you know, well, uh, that's good. We don't have to have that every Sunday. There are different kinds of services. Sometimes, you know, it's ordained of God like tonight that I just teach, teach the Bible. And there's an anointing to teach and, and we ought to learn to yield to that anointing and to Cooperate with that anointing, draw on that anointing. You know this as as well as you know anything that whatever the Holy Spirit is doing in a service, uh, all of us have a responsibility to reach for that, to reach out and and draw on that and and to uh, 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 entertain what God's doing in your own heart and not just sit back in church. Well, let's see what you can do, preacher. See if you can move me tonight, you know? And listen, we're all human. We all have flesh. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, it's a challenge to put your flesh under and your natural mind. I understand all that. But we are spirit beings. We've been filled with the Holy Spirit. That ought to make a difference in our lives, amen? So when we come to church, there ought to be a response to whatever God is doing. Amen. If it's, if it's a, a shouting, praising, exuberant kind of service, don't just sit there and look around. And just oh, I so just, I just, my mom used to do that. I can say stuff about my mom now because she's been in heaven eight years and and, you know, she, and she's not coming back, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and you know, she would, she would always say, it just blesses me so much when sister so-and-so gets happy. But my mom had the longest face. Now listen, I'm going to edit this. She still has sisters alive, you know. My, they don't listen to me though. <laughs> I learned a long time ago, you're, the older generation, they're not going to pay any attention to you, you know. But uh, my mom had the longest face in church. She would sit there with just, just the longest, driest look. I mean, all the time. And she would say after church, you know, how she really got blessed by sister so-and-so. And sister so-and-so would shout, you know, and get her hanky out and wave it, you know, woo, you know, and, and somebody would dance or run, you know. She just she said that just really blessed it, but you couldn't see it on her face. We're not just supposed to be blessed by what other people do and how they get in or in. You, you need to enter into that, however the Holy Ghost is moving, amen. And, uh, and so, like I said, you know, there's different kinds of services, but our services ought to have that spark of the supernatural, that spark of divine life. Amen? And in order to have that, it requires prayer. And it's not just the responsibility of a few It's not just the responsibility of the people who come on Monday night. It's everybody's responsibility. And most people, not everybody, there are some exceptions, but most people could come to Monday night prayer. Uh, At least part of the time. Yeah, I didn't get a lot of amens there. I got amens from the faithful prayers, you know, that come out on Monday night. But, But most people could come. But I know what happens is, you know, because you can't come this Monday night and the next Monday night and then other things uh, enter in. And then before long, it's just not on your calendar anymore. It's just not something you do on Monday nights. And I didn't intend to this, for this to be a, a, you know, a pitch for Monday night, but so be it. We, we need more people out on Monday night. Everybody should come when they can. You know, because prayer is the, is the responsibility of the old church. It doesn't matter what other ministry you're in. Well, I'm I'm in all these other ministries, that's fine. But prayer is still the responsibility of everybody in the church. And, you know, I pray at home. Well, that's good, I appreciate that. But I know, and I think most people, if they're honest, would have to admit, with a few exceptions, uh, most people don't pray at home like they say they do in defense of not coming on Monday night. Well, you know, I, I pray at home. Well, do you? It's, a whole, it's very easy to be distracted at home. That's why, that's why God calls the church together is because we need to be called out from our ordinary duties, our ordinary life. That's, that's, God did that in the Old Testament. There was, there was what was called holy convocations, sacred assemblies that happened every Sabbath, and then there were special Sabbaths that happened throughout, throughout the year, and they were called holy convocations. They were; it was a holy convening and a sacred assembly. And every time God said, "On those days, you are to do no secular work. You're to do no ordinary work." So, because see, they were taught that you, in the Old Testament that you had to keep the, the Sabbath holy, so you weren't able to work. You weren't able to, to uh, the, the the idea was not not working so much as set aside that day, setting that, side, setting that day aside for the Lord and keeping your focus on him. But one of the things that it said was, do no customary work in that day. It wasn't, like I said, it wasn't the fact that God didn't want you to exert energy on the Sabbath. He wanted you to separate yourself from your ordinary, the, 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 the Israelites to separate themselves from their ordinary activities. Well, that's why God calls us together. Now, we don't observe the Sabbath. We don't observe the the, uh, uh, types and shadows of the Old Testament. All of the regulations and all of the ceremonies and the sacrifices, they all find their fulfillment in Christ. All of those are types and shadows of Christ. Just like, you know, I talked about the shadow Sunday morning. You can see my shadow. If 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 you see up here, you know, you can see my shadow. The Old Testament That's all they had was the shadow. Christ was the was the body that cast the shadow. And and so they had they observed the shadows. Well now we have Christ. We don't need to be looking at the shadows, we have him. That's why I get uh, 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 amused sometimes sort of, you know, with those people that, that call themselves messianic Christians. You know, they want to go back and, and, and revel in all the Old Testament and all the things that the Old Testament taught and, 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 and get dressed up like they do and blow their horns and, and keep all those, you know, feasts and all that stuff. Why would we want to be observing the shadow when we have Christ? And he's in us. Amen. Amen. So so we don't observe those things, but he still calls us together today. And the reason he calls us together is to to separate us from those things. And so coming to church, coming to prayer, uh, you know, the call to prayer is a special call. In other words, it's a special one time a week call where people can come in to prayer, amen? And so uh, uh, in order for our services to be the way they ought to be and the way we want them to be, it requires prayer. Requires prayer. And so I want to talk about the, some, a couple of specific kinds of prayer that word of faith people don't know, don't know a whole lot about. Okay? We know about it in name, but we're not very experienced in it. As you know, in Ephesians, did you find Ephesians chapter 6? In Ephesians 6, verse number 18, it says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You know, uh, a minister can only minister to the degree that people give him the permission to minister. Paul said, I need your prayer that I'll be able to speak as I ought to speak. No minister can preach or, or preach, preach, or teach or minister effectively unless the church prays. Amen. And neither can we have the results in the service that we need to have unless the church is praying. See, it, it bothers me, and this is what I talked about on Sunday night, it bothers me when we have people in our services Sunday after Sunday after Sunday that I know are unsaved by their own testimony or by their own testimony, they, they are, uh, you know that they were born again at one particular time, but their lifestyle, it's clear that they're not walking with the Lord. And they come to our services, maybe they come with somebody who uh, uh, who comes regularly, and so they attend with them from time to time, and 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 we see them, and I give invitations, and nobody comes. We call for backsliders, and I know they're here, and they don't come. Service after service, week after week, month after month, month month months. That that's not good enough. Amen. There ought to be there ought to be something in our services that. When, when, when God is moving, that grips people's hearts. Yeah. You know, on the day of Pentecost, Peter got, got up and just preached a simple message. It wasn't long. It was just real simple. It wasn't, it wasn't deep. And it said that it cut to the heart the people that heard him. And that came about. Why did that come about? That came about because of that prayer meeting they had leading up to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they, were, they spent time in prayer and supplication and in one accord in prayer. That's what creates that. And it bothers me when we don't have results. It bothers me when people come into our services who uh, haven't been enlightened on the truth of the full gospel, you know, healing the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, the things that, that we believe that, that uh, we consider to be the, the full uh, message of the gospel as opposed to, uh, you know, not to cast dispersions on anybody, but that Baptist level of, of gospel, you know, they just believe in the new birth, but they don't believe in any of the supernatural. And I'm not speaking on Baptist. That goes for a lot of groups. You know what I'm talking about. It bothers me when people can come in and they're not phased. By anything that's said, anything that's done, they just week after week, month after month, year after year, they just they just stay. Now, you know, is can we expect every sinner, or every backslider, or every non-spirit-filled person to, to you know to to. Uh, be born again or come back into fellowship or be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know that it's realistic to expect that everybody will, but I tell you what, we, we could do better. Amen. Yeah, we could have better results. Yes. And I know what brings it on. It's prayer. Amen. I, I remember in the days of the of the uh, early Word of Faith and, uh, and and the charismatic, the Word of Faith movement was... Uh, came, kind of came out of that was, a, was one part of the bigger charismatic movement I, I was watching one of the uh, famous preachers back then uh, In that day on, on TV not longer They ran a special, you know, and, and, and he was preaching And uh, he just preached just a simple message On the baptism of the Holy Spirit It wasn't deep, it wasn't it doesn't get, He didn't give a lot of scripture, you know it Just It was real simple But there was, even on a a VHS tape, well, I mean, I saw it digitally, but that's how it was recorded, you know, on, on old tape. Nearly 50 years old it was almost crackling with the power of God. I mean, you could just sense it when you, when you listen to it. And it was an auditorium full of people and people were in one accord. And there were several thousand people there and they're worshiping God. And I tell you what, he got up and talked about the Holy Spirit. And I mean, hundreds of people came from every direction in this massive auditorium to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, there was a move of God on. Well, I hunger for that. I hunger for that for today we, 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 we ought to have I'm not willing to to concede that we have to go without anything God's done in the past now we, we might not be able to uh by our faith alone because it involves more than us while we may not be able to with our faith alone uh usher in uh the end time revival in, in all of its growth, but we could have it here. We could have it here. There needs to be that, and I know that prayer is the thing that produces it. Amen. Amen. So like I said, there are different kinds of praying. He says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. One translation says, praying with all kinds of prayer. Now, you know, you've heard me teach on this. There are different kinds of praying, and they're not all the same. And there are different rules for different kinds of praying. The problem with most Christians, most Christians don't know that there are different kinds of prayers. They just think praying is praying. All praying is the same. But we know that there are different kinds of prayer. There's the prayer of praise and worship is prayer. The prayer of commitment, the prayer of consecration, the prayer of agreement. There's united prayer. There's prayer. Uh, 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 the prayer of faith, the prayer of supplication, intercession, there's all these different kinds and they're not the same. Well, word of faith people like us, we know that up here, but because, because in the word of faith movement, we focus so strongly and, and God led us to. That was what the, the, it wasn't the word of, of, of something else. it was the word of faith movement. But we focused on faith, the prayer of faith, because people needed to learn how to exercise their faith to, meet, to get their needs met. So I came up in a Pentecostal denomination, we didn't know anything about the prayer of faith. We knew a lot about the prayer of consecration. And so Pentecostal people and holiness people in general were a very uh, holy, sort of very conscious of, of living holy and consecrated lives. Uh, didn't fully walk in, in as much as they thought they did sometimes, but uh, there was an awareness of holy living that a lot of times we don't have in in the modern church today. Uh, so we didn't know anything about the prayer of faith. And so even though we had, uh, in, in the churches that I came out of, we had a lot of praying, And that prayer produced a good spirit of revival. People were being saved. People were, were, uh, God was demonstrating himself. The Holy Spirit was in demonstration. We had a lot of things happening on an individual level, on a personal level. Most people were not getting their prayers answered. We had people getting healed, but most people didn't. And most people believed it it was to be expected not to be healed. Because they would pray for healing, and if healing didn't come, they'd say, well, you know, uh, you can't question God. God knows what he's doing. And, you you know, you've heard all of those those cliches. Well, that undermines faith, and so people didn't know about faith, and so they didn't know how to get their needs met. Well, the Word of Faith movement came along because God needed the church to find out how to get its prayers answered. Amen? And so... Uh, we capitalized and focused on, on, the, on the word of faith. But what about all the other kinds of praying? Most word of faith people, uh, pra- now, you know, intellectually, we say we know about all the other kinds, but practically about the only kind of prayer we know about is the prayer of faith. Well, I want to talk about these other two kinds, the prayer of supplication and intercession, because it's going to take supplication and intercession to see the lost saved. in order for the lost to be saved, in order to see backsliders come back, particularly in the world in which we're living today, you know, there's a lot of, of, of outright hostility toward the things of God. Not just coldness, indifference, but outright hostility. Some of us uh, older folk, we remember the day when, you know, our neighbors... On, on both sides of, of us, when I was growing up, our neighbors on, on either side of us, none of them were saved. Now, the one man who was an alcoholic, we know he wasn't uh, because he was just so mean. But, you know, his wife and children, they said they went to, a, to church, but I never remember them going. In other words, they said, we are blank, you know, denomination, but we never see them, never saw them go to church. What I'm saying is they weren't godly, they weren't pursuing the things of God, but there was a respect for people like our family and for true Christians and for the Bible in general. <laughs> I remember one time I was working with a telephone company and I, and, I, and I was carrying a lunchbox at the time. I was working on a remote job site where there wasn't any, weren't, weren't any restaurants, you know, and you had to bring a lunch. And I had this regular, you know, old-fashioned-looking lunch box, you know, from the 40s, you know. And I had it, and, and, uh, and I had brought my Bible with me that day because we were out in the middle of nowhere, and so you just take your lunch break, and i just sit there and read my Bible. And there was only me and I think one other telephone guy working at this remote location. And, uh, and so I took my Bible, you know, and I set it up on a, on a piece of equipment and, and set the lunch box on it. And this guy came in. He had been, this other telephone man, he had been in, in and out of the office, that little building, you know, several times that week. And I mean, a foul mouth. Oh my Lord, just telling dirty jokes and just, you know, you're just a man of the, of the world. He came in that day and he saw my Bible with my lunchbox on top of it. And I mean, he flipped out. He said, whose is that? Get that lunchbox off of the word of God, off the Bible. That's God's holy Bible. And I uh, exactly, I didn't say that, but my friend and I, you know, we kind of looked at each other, kind of and Said, "Sure, didn't mean to, you know, to hurt your feelings, you know." But he had he had respect for the Bible. He wasn't living it, but he didn't want to see it disrespected. We don't have a lot of that today. There is outright uh, hostility, and if not hostility, uh, very uh, serious indifference to the things of God. And uh, we need prayer more than ever. We, we've always needed prayer, but we need prayer more than ever in order to reach people. And the prayers of supplication and intercession are the prayers that affect these kinds of situations. It's not the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith is good for getting your needs met, but the prayer of faith won't do anything for the people who come in who don't know God. Amen? Amen. Uh, in, uh, uh go with me to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. You see a good uh, description of what supplication is. You'll notice in the scripture we just read, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. What is supplication? Well, James describes supplication. In the fifth chapter of James starts out by saying, uh, let's look in verse number 13. Is, any, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. You know, whenever you're going through a hard time, you need to pray. Your first response isn't calling somebody else. Is anyone suffering? Let him pray. You know, the Bible, and even in this chapter, talks about praying for one another, but uh, you, can't, you can't get somebody else to do your praying for you. You can have people help you pray, but the, the fundamental responsibility in prayer of, over your own life is your own. Amen. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. You wouldn't say, I sure feel so I feel I feel so cheerful today. Sing Psalms for me. Would you sing a psalm for me? I'm so happy. Sing a psalm for me. No. Well, if you if you're going through trouble, you don't just say, Well, pray for me. People do that all the time. I have people all the time, pray for me. You'll notice, if you've ever noticed, just pay attention. Most of the time when, when, when you ask me to pray for you, I usually grab your hand and pray right then. Have you ever noticed that? It's because I know when I leave there, I'm probably not gonna remember to pray for you. Now, let's be honest. 99% of people, when somebody says pray for me and they say, yeah, I will, they don't. That's the truth. And I'm not gonna tell people, yeah, I'll pray for you and then not pray for you, so I just don't tell them. I just pray right then. And, and you can see the disappointment that flushes over people's face. somebody Sunday morning right before church pray for me I said okay let's pray right now And, and it was just like oh I thought you were gonna you know call me up or you know in front of everybody or you know go home and and pray for three hours you know No, just pray right now let's pray pray for yourself pray for yourself amen don't ask everybody to some people just say pray for me just like you know it's like it's like saying goodbye well pray for me no pray for yourself well glory amen if I prayed for everybody and spent time in prayer I'm talking about time you know for everybody that wanted me to pray for that's all I'd do I wouldn't get anything I'd just say well that's what you're supposed to do no it's not I'm not supposed to do everybody else's praying that's crazy Amen. I'm supposed to do the praying I'm supposed to do, doing my praying, and I'm supposed to teach you how to pray, and you're supposed to pray. Glory to God. That's the way it works. Amen. Pray for me. Don't pray for yourself. He said, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, What this is talking about when it's talking about calling for the elders of the church, this is talking about people who are so sick they can't come to church. This isn't talking about praying in church. Calling for the elders is calling on the pastors to come and pray. Whenever someone is so ill that they literally can't come to church, then that's the time you call on the pastors to come pray and anoint you with oil. And I do that. I still anoint people with oil when I have to go into somebody's home and pray for them because they're down and i uh you know I've used there's nothing special about the oil i bottle I buy a little bottle of of olive oil, but it's not from Jerusalem. doesn't have any kind of a sash attached to it or or special you know, anything from special olive trees. It's just ordinary olive oil. And, uh, and, and I anoint people though because that's, there's nothing in the oil. It's just a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I've not had any oil at hand, anointing oil, and I had to use what I could find. I anointed, I anointed Mark Morgan with Pam. Spray Pam. Did I not? went to his house. This was years ago. They hadn't been coming to church very long and he was burning up with a fever. I mean, he was in bad shape. And, uh, and I went over there and I, I didn't have any oil and I said, Leslie, where's your oil? She doesn't cook with oil. At the time, she said, I use Pam. I said, give it to me. <laughs> I sprayed it on my hands and I, and I anointed him. It's oil. <laughs> Next day, he was at work. I mean, that thing broke just like within just a... Just a, 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 not a few minutes, but just a, not very long, an hour or so. I mean, it was gone. <laughs> I, I performed a wedding one time. And it was my second wedding. The second wedding I ever performed. I was still at Ramah. And the person who was supposed to bring the, the, the juice forgot it. So we used Dr. Pepper. In the glass, it looks—it sort of looked like grape juice, you know? And nobody knew but the bride and groom and me. We just poured that Dr. Pepper in there, and, and they're still married today. That was in 1980, I mean 1980, and they're still married today, and they're still both serving God and, and are faithful, praise the Lord, and so Dr. Pepper did the job. That's the truth. Let him call for the elders of the church to let them pray over him, anointing with ho- him with oil, whatever kind you can find in the name of the Lord. And it's the prayer of faith that heals the sick, not the anointing with the oil. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Glory to God. This is talking about special praying. This isn't talking about casual praying. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous of a righteous man, the fervent prayer of a righteous man, avails much. The Amplified Bible says the effective, fervent, heartfelt prayer. You know, there's there's different degrees of fervency. I don't get real worked up when I'm saying the blessing over my dinner. What? Unless I'm in Africa. So a little more fervent. I'm a little more conscious of what I'm praying about. Amen. But ordinarily, you know, not every kind of prayer needs the same kind of fervency. And so when I say, when I, when I refer to casual praying, I'm not talking about being casual toward the things of God. I'm, a better term would just be common praying. There is praying that, that is more common, everyday sort of praying, where we pray over things. I mean, you, you, in, in the mornings when you're praying over your day, you know, I get up in, in, in the morning, I look at my scriptures and I read them. I spend, you know, an hour or so just kind of building myself up and praying in the, in the, in the mornings. I, I'm just praying about uh, my day and I'm really just fellowshipping with, with the Lord. There's not any particular fervency. You know, I'm, it's early in the morning, I'm not fully awake, you know, and, and, and uh, it's, it's, it's more ordinary. It's more uh, common praying, but then there are things that come up in life that require more fervency because they're more uh, there's there's a greater need. You understand that? The ordinary word for, for prayer in for instance in First uh, Timothy chapter two when it says I exhort first of all that that supplications prayers intercessions the word for prayer there is one word and and it's the common word for for, for, for prayer but the word for supplication uh, I forget what it is in the Greek. I could look at my notes, but that's not important. You wouldn't remember it, and I wouldn't either. Uh, the the actual Greek word has the connotation of need. It's not in the ordinary word for prayer. In other words, it's a time of special need. And I've illustrated it like this, you know. When when you pray for your children, when they go to school in, in, in the morning, you know, if you have small children, you pray over them, you know, the, the Lord will keep them and protect them. That's one level of, of, of fervency. It's not real fervent. The first time they leave the house with the car keys, having just gotten their full permit and they drive down the road on their own, there's another level of fervency. Isn't that Right? But that's one level of fervency. But when that same son or daughter you find out is driving a Humvee on a, on a search and, and destroy mission in Afghanistan, that's a higher level of fervency because there's a lot more at stake than there was when they were going to, to out the door to go to school. So there's, there's different kinds of fervency and fervency is important in prayer. Supplication is a fervent prayer. It's a heartfelt prayer because of a need. The need is what determines the degree of fervency and it's fervency, I'll just say this, I'll get to it later. Fervency isn't something we work up. It's not a, an emotional thing or a, it's not a, a something you psych yourself up to or, or work yourself up. You know, it's not f- fervency that we're instructed to have in praying is, is not the result of, of wrinkling your, your brow and, and you know, quenching, clenching your, your fist real tight and, and praying in a real religious voice. Oh, God, oh, God. That's, all of that is natural, Think about it. Why would God be moved by that rather than God, you know, I need your help today. Well, I'm not gonna respond to that, but if you'll get, if your voice will will oscillate, you know, and quiver, then I'll really listen to that. No, that's, fervency is, is something that comes from the need and the other part of fervency comes from heaven. There's a fervency that comes from heaven and it's a result of, God's fervency. We'll get into that a little later. You know, God's not half-hearted about anything he does. He isn't. And Jesus ever lives to make supplication and intercession for people. And a parent is more fervent in praying about the child than the child often is about himself. Because the parent understands more of what the need is. The child knows a little bit about the need. I'm having a test today in math and I'm not prepared. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that produces a level of anxiety. There's a need there. A parent is, a, is aware of greater needs. A parent is aware of greater threats to that child. So the parent, because of of, of of the enlightened place the parent is. The parent is more enlightened about what's going on. And the parents love. You know, I I learned this a long time ago. Your children will never love you as much as you love them. Every parent understands that. And because of your love for that child, you have a fervency for them that they're not even capable of having for themselves and their own interest. Well, think about God. God is omniscient. He knows everything. He knows fully what's what's at stake. He knows exactly the threat that you're facing and might not be a physical threat, might not be danger, but the threat to your walk. Or the threat to you fulfilling his call and plan for your life. He's aware of so much more. And because of his superior love. He's moved with compassion. So much more than you're capable of being, even having for yourself. You're not even aware of the degree of compassion God has. Just like that little third grader doesn't have any idea of the compassion you have as a parent toward him. Just doesn't have. And there's no way he can know. Well, we don't have any way of, of really understanding how compassionate, how caring, how, how aware and how much God wants us to, uh, to be victorious and, and to uh, uh, win in every situation in life, to be victorious, to, to, to uh, fulfill the plan of God. He's just in a, in a superior place. There's a, de- there's a degree in fervency that we pick up from heaven, and it's a supernatural thing. It comes into our spirit by the Holy Ghost. When, when you get over into, uh, in the spirit, in prayer, a lot of times you'll pick up, the spirit of God will quicken you and a, and a fervency will come up on the inside of It's not something you worked up. It's not something you just, it's not, like, like I said, it's not an oscillating voice or, or, or a, a shrill, you know, high sound or or you know beating your fist on the table or anything it's nothing it's none of those natural things just something that comes up it's the fervency of heaven and we need that and so fervency is born out of the need that we're aware of and it's a born out of the, it's born out of the need that we're not aware of it's born out of the compassion that all of us have but there's a greater compassion than what we have so those two things, the need and, and, the, and the love and compassion of God, those two things are the things that drive fervency. But, you know, if, we're, if we never expect fervency, if, if all we're aware of is just praying a simple prayer, you know, in the prayer of faith, you pray one time and you just believe it's yours. But those are things that pertain to you. You know, when, when, when I pray about myself and my needs, 90% of the time, I'm just thanking God because I've already prayed about it. It's not good manners to keep asking God for the same thing. Talking about things that belong to you, your covenant rights, whether it's a healing or to meet a financial need or to, to answer, you know, a prayer to, for this or that, things that belong to you that are consistent with the overcoming victorious life. Once you pray and believe God, it's insulting to go back in God and ask him the next day for the thing you just asked him yesterday and you said you believed you received. Well, we know that, but we have a tendency to apply that then in all of our praying. And because of that, a lot of our praying is not effective because that rule doesn't apply. When the, when the prayer of, of, of supplication and intercession uh, are needed. They require fervency, and and many times they require praying it through until the answer comes. Until what I'm what I mean by that is 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 until it changes, until the situation changes. Amen. You know Jesus talked about the prayer of importunity and the prayer of 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 uh, ask, seek, knock. And the Greek there says ask and keep on asking seek and keep on seeking knock and keep on knocking there's there's the the prayer remember Jesus talked about the woman that that came or the person that came in the nighttime and said you know i've got someone that's come to me from a far away place and, and and I don't have any food to give them in in the in the middle East people were the, the culture was very uh, 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 it was very common. If a stranger came to your house, you opened your doors. You know, if it was at all possible, you just bring the even strangers, but particularly somebody you know. You you know, you just get today. We'd say, well, you know, there's, I'll you know, I'll get you a room down at the hotel. But you know, I don't. I've got my beds made up and my pillows on my special pillows on my, on that bed, and I just send you to go down the street. That's not the way you did do it in Eastern culture, even even, even today. But this person uh, said, you know, came to this man at night and said, you know, I have somebody that's come with me and I don't have enough food set before them. And he said, go away, I'm in bed. My children are asleep, I'm asleep. My wife is, we're in bed. The lights are out, go away. And it said that he wouldn't go away. And he said, and so he said, this man will get up and will meet that person's need, not because he cares so much about them, but because of the importunity. That's the way the older King James says that because of the importunity, because of that insistence. Well, God wasn't saying that we are to badger him, because first of all, he's not saying no. God never says, no, I'm asleep, (laughs) I'm too busy. So that couldn't represent God. The point Jesus was making is there are times you have to stay after it in prayer. When you're praying about other people, that particularly people who don't know what we know, they don't know their rights and privileges in Christ. Say, well, maybe they they, they should know. They've had opportunity to know. Yeah, that, that does enter into it. When people have, when people ought to grow and mature in Christ, they ought to. Not everybody does. And eventually, if, you, if, if a person just doesn't take advantage of the Bible, you know, maybe, you're, maybe somebody's in a church that doesn't teach the baptism of the Holy Spirit, teach against it. That's, that's a lot to overcome. I, I have compassion for people like that. Raised in churches, all they've ever heard is that speaking, of with other, speaking in other tongues is of the devil. They've heard it all their life. That's a hard thing to overcome. And so I have compassion for people like that. On the other hand, they have a Bible. If they were really hungry and really read their Bible with an open heart, you could, you could see it's all through. The New Testament is all through the Acts and, and the epistles talk about praying in the spirit. I mean, it's part and parcel of the Christian experience. So, on the one hand, no, they were in a place that that prejudiced them against that. God takes that into consideration. But there's this other side. Eventually, if people aren't going to read their Bible and pursue the things of God, they're just going to get left out. But because of not being in a place where uh, it was preached or being a, in a place where they were prejudiced against it since they were infants. A lot of times, God will allow you to pray for that person and to, and to get mercy and help for that person even though they're not asking right, even though they're not coming according to the word of God. That's, thank God for his mercy. See, Jesus ever lives to make intercession. Well, who's he making intercession for? Why is he making intercession? Why, 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 why is Jesus at the right hand of God, the Father, making intercession if we're all perfect in Christ? You know, a lot of people teach that today. I heard a guy just last week or the week before, an old friend, I've known him for 25 years, at least, maybe longer. He's a missionary. We've not been close friends. I don't think he's ever been here. Uh, maybe one time. Uh, he's got a he's got a, a very powerful ministry. So McGrath, he went out to one of the nations uh, years ago. Raised up churches Bible schools I mean he's he's, he's probably an apostle I mean he, he really has that kind of stature great things happen in his ministry but I, I, he's, he's gotten he's gotten into this extreme grace message and, and I heard you know, hearing but I read he made a statement where somebody was simply presenting the fact that you know there still is judgment and people need to be warned about judgment you know, Paul reasoned with Felix of righteousness and judgment to come. Did he not? Is that in the New Testament? Yeah. So that's in the Bible. But anyway, a person just, just mentioned, you know, that, that there is that side of the gospel where we need to warn people. And I was stunned. This man that I've known all these years, like I said, he's gotten completely uh, deceived in this message He said in all his 30 plus, nearly 40 years of ministry, he has never one time ever mentioned the judgment of God to any sinner or in any message he's ever preached, ever. He said, nope, all I present is the love of God, that God loves you and that Christ has done everything Well, if, you know, there's this idea in this extreme message that once you're born again, you are, you have everything. And positionally, that's true. In Christ, everything's been done, but we're not walking in everything. And there are still areas where we miss it. And if we're not missing it, and if we're, and if we already have anything, what in the world is Jesus interceding for us for? Who also intercedes for you? Let's say it in Romans 8, 8th chapter. What's he interceding for? No, we we aren't perfect in our walk. We're perfect in our position in Christ because we're in Christ. You can't be in Christ and be partly of the devil. <laughs> when you got born again, you got rid of that part. You became a new creature in Christ, you're the righteousness of God, you're in fellowship with God, but there are still areas where we miss it. And so in in a situation like that, even Christians sometimes, because of of the grace and compassion of God, because he loves every one of us, he will will use a person like Doug or one of you, anybody, anybody, to pray for a believer or even an unbeliever and to, and, to, and to sort of stand in their place, stand in the gap for them. Now, on the one hand, ultimately that person will be judged for what they do. But boy... God, God loves us so much is he'll do everything he can. He'll, put, he'll pull every lever, everything in the spirit realm that he can do to, to persuade and to move on that person's heart. And that's where we come in. Well, the problem is when we have people come into our church services and there's not been that kind of praying. Mostly we're, we're the name it and claim it group. Now, I'm listen. I believe in name it and claim it. I know the whole name it and claim it, you know, moniker that they stuck on us back in the, in the early 80s, you know. Uh, that's that name it and claim it. That's me. I, 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 I go by that. I believe in name it and claim it. If it's named in the Bible belongs to me, I'm going to name it and claim it. I don't, that doesn't embarrass me or insult me. You might mean it as an insult, but I take it as a, as a good thing. But there's more than name it and claim it. Because name it and claim it isn't going to reach people who come in who don't know what to name or claim. Amen? Somebody has to enter into prayer. And so there is that that supplication is heartfelt because of of the need. And so when you start praying for the lost, that, that ought to just not something you work up. There, there ought to be a seriousness about that because when you're praying for, for unsaved people, if, if they don't get right with God, they're gonna spend eternity in hell. That's, that's serious. That's not a, oh, bless brother so-and-so, open his eyes and hope he'll see. No, that, that, you know, that, that's part of it, but that's not the end of it. Take the time, and that's the problem with, with these, these other deeper veins of prayer is we don't have the time. We won't take the time. Life is busy. Everybody's busy. Amen. But, you know, uh, if you're open and make yourself available to prayer and for prayer, you know, God will begin to move through you. Amen. God's not going to, don't worry. God's not going to keep you so busy. I want to give myself to prayer. God will just, if I'm one of the few that respond, then I'll just be, my life will be taken over. No, no, it won't. It's not bondage. It's not bondage. But I tell you what, when God wakes me up in the middle of the night to pray sometimes, yeah, initially I'd rather sleep. And I usually try to ignore for a few minutes. <laughs> But when, I, when it keeps stirring, I'll just get up and go to the other room and just, just pray for a while. Just, God, what is that? What? Because I don't know. It could be somebody's life depends on me praying. Sometimes I'll pray and then I'll realize what it is. Some, most of the time not, but, but occasionally. But see, when I do that, I'll just be honest with you. The next morning, I'm not all that refreshed. I still lost an hour sleep. Well, if God was in it, then you'd be all refreshed in the morning. You'd get up and you wouldn't even feel it. That that's may or may not be true. There's some sacrifice in living for God. Amen. And sometimes it wears on you. But you know, I've never, it's never ruined my day the next day. Never, never. You get up and after you get at it, you, you know, all of that goes away. And the next night, Oh, wow. What a good sleep. (laughs) Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching.